Good morning, Parkway Church. How we doing? Good. So glad that you guys are here, whether you're gathered at Parkway Port Lavaca, Parkway Lone Tree, Parkway Online, or Parkway Victoria. We say welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is Mike. I'm the senior pastor here. And it's my privilege to kick off a new series as we continue to journey through Scripture together. Our plan for the year is simple. We're walking through books of the Bible to get to know the major players in Scripture, to see the storyline of God, and to get to see the theological thread that runs throughout the Bible. And so now we're stepping into what's known as the wisdom literature with Psalms and Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and then Song of Solomon. And so through this series, we're going to answer some of life's biggest questions. If you've been on social media at all lately, you've seen the tagline, asking for a friend, like the one who says, is it possible to lose 10 pounds without giving up tacos? Asking for a friend. Is it possible to cook bacon on a flattening iron? Asking for a friend. Or like mine, is it wrong to hope the Cowboys will be doing good this year? Asking for a friend. Friday, I saw somebody in my social feed post Is it okay for a 56-year-old gal to have 16 beers? Asking for a friend. (laughs) Right now at one of our campuses, there's a 56-year-old who had 16 beers on Friday night saying, anybody recommend a good church? Asking for a friend. See, the premise behind the whole asking for a friend is we've all got questions, but we're not asking them for ourselves because we're a little embarrassed to ask. We should know the answer to that. Like, is it wrong to eat 13 donuts in one setting? Asking for a friend. You know the answer to that question already. And so we're going to kick off this series with a look at one of the Psalms. And if you brought your Bible, you can open up with me to Psalm 103. And the, the, the asking for a friend question we're answering today is, who is God? And as you look at Psalm 103, we enter into the book of Psalms for two weeks. This week, we're going to ask, who is God? And the next week, we're going to ask, where is God? And the book of Psalms gives us a a, a picture of like some prayers before God. It gives us some pictures of lyrics that were used in in the community of God. And most of the Psalms, many of them were written by King David. Remember, he was the second king of Israel. In fact, today's Psalm that we're going to read and study was written by King David. Some would say it's one of his greatest. One would say that he wrote it late in life because it's then that he fully fully understood God's grace and mercy and goodness, as we're going to learn about here in just a moment. As you go through life, if you've ever had strong feelings or emotions when it comes to what's happening in your life with God, if you've ever had some big questions, if you've ever had to journal a prayer that that you wonder, is it okay to pray that? I encourage you to jump into the book of Psalms because you're going to see some journaled prayers. You're like, I can really pray, God, go get them to my enemies. I can say that out loud to God. I can even write it down. You know, if you've ever experienced a strong emotion where you realize you're broken in your sin and you go, God, create in me a clean heart, change me. You're gonna see that in the book of Psalms. I encourage you, if you've never stepped into Psalms, to step in because you're gonna see a picture of who God is. You're gonna get to know where God is in your life. And we're going to start with a look at Psalm 103. So if you brought your Bible, open up there. As you turn in your Bible, we've also given you a handout that you can fill in some blanks along the way. Also in that handout, there's a list of places where we're looking for people to step in and serve. And it's a real simple process. If you want to get more information on serving in any of those roles, you just fill that out, put your contact information on the bottom, you 
tear it off, you give it a rip, and then you drop that in the offering plate. So very, very succinctly, I'm asking you to give a rip and find your place to serve. We can all do it. God's gifted us all, and we can all serve him as believers in Jesus Christ. So let's jump into Psalm 103. What we're going to learn are the qualities or attributes of God today. A.W. Tozer says that what you think about God is the most important thing that you think. And so as we talk about our view of God today and answer the question, who is God? It's of the utmost highest priority. Because if we get the picture of God right, then we will follow and obey and depend upon him. If we get the picture of God wrong, then we won't follow him and depend upon him and obey him as he desires us to do. University of North Carolina called a study together, UNC out of Chapel Hill. Their goal was simple. We wanna see what devout Christians think their God looks like. And so they interviewed 511 devout Christians with the simple question, when you pray, what do you think the face of God looks like? And to help them answer it, they gave them essentially like puzzle pieces for a face. They didn't have the, the puzzle box so they knew what the end design should be, but they gave them puzzle pieces so that they could build a composite of what they thought the face of God looked like. And in the end, they took all 511 and they synced them up to give us God's mugshot. You wanna see what God looks like according to these 511 devout Christians? Here he is. God apparently is a nondescript white guy. God apparently is an everyday Caucasian. If God got accused of a crime, God couldn't be convicted because God looks like all of us, except for our brown brothers and sisters. Friends, one of the things that we see is that the people don't look at God like the drawings of Michelangelo in the Sistine Chapel, right? God's not long beard and, 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 and like lightning bolts coming out of his fingers anymore. God's not like the hand reaching down from the heaven anymore. What we see when we see the face of God is somebody that looks a lot like you and me. And maybe that's why in the Old Testament and the Ten Commandments, we were told not to make any graven images, not to make any forms of God, because if you try and make a form of God, a picture of God, a face of God, you aren't gonna get a true representation of God. In fact, you will only get a God that looks a lot like you. And so today, as we look at Psalm 103, we're gonna look at some ways that God says who he is. This isn't us developing a composite sketch of God. This is God giving us a systematic explanation of who he is. So let's jump in. Psalm 103. The first character trait we see in Psalm 103 is that God is holy. Fill in that first blank. God is holy. Psalm 103, verse 1. Praise the Lord, my soul, and all my inmost being. Praise his holy name. As we get our first picture of God, the first look that we get is on his core attribute of holiness. Holiness or purity, holiness or set apart from all sin and corruption. Holiness is a word that describes God perfectly. And one of the reasons it's very important for us to see that our God is holy 
is because then we begin to build our picture of God, not that he looks like us, but that he looks vastly different than us. The Bible says, be holy for I am holy. You and I have got some work to do when it comes to that being a reality in our life. And I wanna remind you that our God is holy and put it up there up top and praise him from our inmost being because here's the deal. It's great news that our God is holy and not like us because when we follow, depend upon, obey a God who's holy, we won't end up looking more like ourselves, but instead we'll end up living and acting and being more like him. Some Christians today say that you should pursue your best life now. Let me tell you, friends, Jesus did not come for you to simply have an upgrade of yourself. Jesus did not come so that you could have your best life now. He didn't come for you 2.0. He came so that you could be holy. You could be different than you are. Friends, if I'm following God so that he simply improves my life, that's a journey wasted. If I'm following God because he changes my life to look more like him, that's a life well lived. So the question, how holy is your God? Well, he is holy, and we praise him for my inmost being. Second, this God is good. Oh. Not only is God perfect, but God is good. Not only is God holy, but he is good. Psalm 103, verse 2. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits. The first two qualities of God, holiness and goodness, call us to worship him from the inside, from the very core of who we are. Praise from the inmost beings. And as you think about this holy God who is good, the Bible says, forget not all his benefits. I want to make sure that we all know that there are great benefits to walking with God. We would look and say, God, you are so holy. All you're going to do is subtract from my life because I'm not holy. God, all you're going to do is subtract from my life and take away. When in reality, you're about to see that God isn't the great subtractor, but God is the great adder to our life. God isn't the great subtractor, but God is the one who brings his benefits when we follow him. There's great benefit to following God. It might be real interesting for you to sit on your, like just a quiet place one day this week and write out all the benefits you experience because you follow God. It'd be real interesting to see if it sounds and looks like one of these Psalms. Listen to how David says there are benefits to following God. Psalm 103, three through five, who forgives all of your sins and heals all of your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so your youth is renewed like the eagles. Two verses, seven benefits of following God. And each of these is an addition to your life because your life is looking more like his. So who forgives you and all of your sins? God does. His holiness demanded that he take action to forgive us of our sins. He couldn't have relationship with us without his grace and forgiveness. So he sent his son Jesus who lived a perfect life and then died a criminal's death on the cross so that all who believe in him for life would have life that no one can take away. 
Forget not his benefits, he forgives. Forget not his benefit, he heals us from all of our diseases. Forget not all of his benefits, he redeems us and he crowns us with love and compassion. One of the things that happens is we follow this holy God who is good, is that he, he makes our relationships different. He crowns us with love and compassion. One of the reasons that I follow this good God is because there are days when I don't have love and compassion as my first response. And I follow him because he is good. Get this. He also satisfies your desire with good things. If God is the great subtractor, then you are never gonna have anything that you desire. But David said here that he satisfies your desire with good things. So there's this big idea in the Bible that God will satisfy the wants and desires of our life if we center our lives on him. God's not gonna give you your desires for your bad. He's not gonna give you your desires to hurt you or to harm you. He will give you your desires with good things. So if you are sick of running down dead-end streets of your desire, maybe it's time for you to stop chasing your desire and start chasing him. Maybe it's time to set him as the crosshairs of your desire. And then he will satisfy you with good things. God will never give you temptation. God will never give you anything for your hurt or your harm. Every good and perfect gift comes from the Father above so that your youth is renewed like the eagle's. There's no age or life stage. There's no expiration date on God's benefits. Even if you're older, he will renew you. He will strengthen you. He will, he will, he will give you what he gives those eagles, the ability to continue to live and thrive and fly. Now, don't take me literally because some of you might go try and fly today and you're going to have a problem. But I think you get the idea. So what does God do? He forgives, he heals, he redeems, he crowns, he satisfies, and he renews. As you think about your view of God, this God that is holy and this God that's good, think about the story of a young man who in Washington State broke into an escape room. Have you ever been to an escape room? My family and I have been to an escape room. The whole premise behind escape rooms is they, they put you in this themed room and you've got to figure out some things so that you can get out of the room before time expires. They give you clues and they give you all sorts of prompts to help you figure out how to get out of this room, right? For the record, my family made it before the door was opened and they sent in the rescue teams. I was very proud of ourselves, right? Well, there's a, a thief in Washington State that breaks into an escape room thinking that he's going to rob the place. Brilliance of people, brilliant people. And so he breaks in, and this isn't a more family-friendly escape room. This is one that I would say is kind of edgy. One room looks like the kill room from Texas Chainsaw Massacre. One room looks like it's an FBI investigation scene. And then another room looks like it's a, a, a party suite in Vegas. Well, this guy breaks into the escape room, sees a kill room, sees an like, FBI investigation, sees a party room, and realizes he can't get out. He is stuck in the escape room. So you know what he did? He dialed 911. 
He dialed 911 and said, I need help getting out of the escape room. And so the police came and they gladly helped him out of the escape room. Friends, as you look at your life before God, it says you renewed you from the pit, right? I just want you to get this. You and I are like that thief who broke into an escape room. And that without Christ, there is no escaping. Without Christ, there is nothing but captivity and loss and death without Christ. But who the son frees, he frees indeed. And when you call on Jesus, when you believe in Jesus for life, he forgives you, which means he doesn't come to free you in, in such a way that he's going to arrest you. He comes to you and frees you in such a way that he will give you life. Forget not all of his benefits. For our God is holy and our God is good. Next, as we continue reading in Psalm 103, the Bible says and teaches us that God is active. Psalm 103, verse six, the Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. If you're one who writes in your Bible, you might underline or circle or double underline, the Lord works. See, we don't follow a distant deity who started the world on its axis and then stepped away. We aren't simply a part of providence. We are relating to, following, believing in, obeying a God who's actively involved. The Lord works. He's not playing hide and go seek with you. Listen to Psalm 103, verse seven. He made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. Your God is not playing hide and go seek. Your God is not a distant deity. Your God is a God who is active and who's making himself known. He is involved. So God is holy. God is good. God is active. Number four, God is loving. You say, Mike, I, I don't know, I, you know, but how can God is loving be the fourth quality on this list? First John chapter four says that God is love. And so it is core to his character. Mike, how can it be number four? Well, let's unpack that together and see that in all of his attributes, God is loving. In his holiness, he is loving. In his goodness, he is loving. In his activity, he is loving. But we can't miss the fact that Psalm 103 verse eight says, the Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in love. How does God express his love? Well, one of the ways, he's compassionate and gracious. He's slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always, keep reading verse nine and 10, he will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. When it says that God doesn't repay us according to our iniquities, that's grace. That's a great definition of grace. God doesn't repay us for our iniquities, our sins, our failings. He doesn't repay us for those. In Christ, what does he do? He forgives us. In Christ, what does he do? He gives us his Holy Spirit so that we can walk differently in life. He does not repay us for our iniquities. As new believers in Christ, maybe you need to let that truth sink deep. 
Because you think today you're having a good day with God, but tomorrow you're having a bad day with God, and he's going to punish you and repay you for that. Friends, our God is compassionate and gracious and slow to anger and abounding in love. And why is it that he expresses his love in that way? Let's keep reading. Psalm 103, 11 through 12. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. Why is God compassionate and gracious? Well, look at your feet and look up to the heavens. From the dirt of the earth to the highest heavens. That's how much God loves you. I see no limit to God's love. And why is he compassionate and gracious? For as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions, our sins from us. So you look all the way to the left. Then you look all the way to the right. And as far as you can see in either direction and further, that's how far God has removed your sin in Jesus Christ. That's how much you are forgiven. That's how gracious and compassionate he is. So the next time you're wondering, how loving is my God? You look at your feet from the dirt of the earth to the highest heavens. That's how much my God loves me. And from my left to my right, God proves that he loves me because he removed my sin. He removed my dirt. He removed my failing from me because he is kind and he is compassionate and he is gracious. He is God. Psalm 103, 13 through 14. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. David goes to an image and says, just like a father loves his kids. And again, remember, this is the perfect holy father who is good. This is the perfect holy father who's active and working on behalf of his kids. This perfect, holy, good, active father. He loves us and has compassion on us because he remembers where we came from. Just like we love our kids in a special way despite their failings, just like we love our kids in a special way because we know from which they came. David says, God loves you because he remembers that he's the one that breathed life into dirt and created Adam. And he's the one that out of Adam created Eve. Why does your God love you? Because he knows you so much. He knows you so well. Why does your God love you? Because you are his in Jesus Christ. So how loving is our God? From the dirt of the earth to the highest of heavens, from the left and to the right, that's how much my God loves me and how much my God loves you. The next quality of God that we see in Psalm 103, you can fill in this blank. God is eternal. What a beautiful word picture David draws next. Psalm 103, 15 through 18. The life of mortals is like grass. They flourish like a flower in the field. The wind blows over it and it's gone and its place remembers it no more. So David says that men and women and kids, they're like a weed in the field. It grows a flower like a dandelion. And then the wind blows and it's scattered and no one remembers where that weed was planted. It's gone. But God is altogether different. And here's the deal. 
We are building our picture of God, not on a temporary perspective of man, but instead on an eternal view of God. Verse 17 and 18, Psalm 103. From everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him and his righteousness with their children's children, with those who keep his covenant and remember to obey his precepts. So this God loves you from the dirt of the earth to the highest heavens. This God loves you so much that he separated your sin from you as far as the east is from the west. This God loves you so much and is so eternal that time from everlasting to everlasting is no object for him. How long is God gonna love you? Forever and ever. How long has God loved you? Since the beginning of time. Because from everlasting to everlasting, that's our God. One of the things that I learned and I'm still learning about raising teenagers, and, and if you've raised teenagers or are raising teenagers, you're gonna see this too. Teenagers have a very limited perspective when it comes to time. You hear the words always and never from teenagers. You never let me go out with my friends. Well, I kind of remember three days ago, you went to the movies with your besties and had a good time. Yeah, but for the last three days, you've never let me go to be with my friends. Or that limited perspective, they're always mean to me. They're always mean and I don't know what to do. Well, no, because two days ago you were texting and having fun. You hit a rough patch. Well, the last two days, they've always been mean. Do you, do you see why we don't build our lives on a limited perspective of men and women? But instead we build our lives on the eternal nature of God? Because our feelings are like a weed that gets blown away. But God is from everlasting to everlasting. He is eternal. And there are going to be seasons when those feelings of frustration, those feelings of always and never come into our heart, and they're legitimate feelings. And aren't you glad that you don't have to hold on to those feelings alone, but you can hold on to the hand of the Father who's from everlasting to everlasting? This is our God. Lastly, God is ruling. God is ruling. We see in Psalm 103, verses 19 through 22. The Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all. Praise the Lord, you his angels, you mighty ones who do his bidding, who obey his word. Praise the Lord, all his heavenly host, you his servants who do his will. Praise the Lord, all his works everywhere in his dominion. Praise the Lord, my soul. So David ends up with the reminder that our God has control and is in charge of everything. He's ruling. Our God not only like, loves us and separates our sin from the east to the west and loves us from the dirt of the earth to the highest of heavens, he not only loves us with no factor of time, but our God, he is in charge of everything. There's nothing out of God's reach. There's nothing out of God's care and concern. Our God in his dominion rules all. If you think Jesus is your co-pilot, you're sitting in the wrong seat, friends. Because the one that we walk with, the God that we serve and worship and obey and trust is no one's co-pilot. He is the King of kings and he is the Lord of lords. He's enthroned in heaven 
and ruling, not from a position of weakness, but from a position of eternal power and holiness and grace and goodness and activity. That's our God. He is ruling. So for me, what's my takeaway from this talk? My God is so much more than me. Good news. There is a God and you're not him. And we should never fashion God in our image or in our likeness because our God is changing us. We were created in his image and our God is changing us to be in his likeness. So who is God? He's the one who loves you. He's the one who's active and ruling over all. He's the one who's good. He's the one that you can trust and depend upon and obey. Let's pray together. Father, thanks for the chance to open your word. God, now as we commit to you, Lord, we just pray that you would help us to do business with you. Church, maybe today you need to go to God and say, hey, God, I've fashioned you in my image. I've made parts of you look like me so that I feel okay with me. So God, I just confess that to you and I turn from that. Because you are the God that is holy. You are the God that is good. You are the God, the one and only God who is active, who is loving, who is eternal, and who's in charge. So God, I want to follow you and depend upon you and obey you based on who you are. As the church prays, if you're here today and you're not a believer in Jesus yet, the Bible says that that holy God sent his perfect holy son, Jesus. And Jesus lived a perfect life and they killed him like a common criminal. Three days he was laid in a tomb and on the third day he rose again. And the Bible says that the grace of God was given us in Christ, that we saw in Jesus the truth and grace of God here on earth. And if you've never believed that you're a sinner that needs a savior, the Bible says that Jesus is both savior and Lord. And he invites you to believe and to find life in him today. If today's your day, let's mark it with a prayer. You can pray. Jesus, I believe. I believe that I'm a sinner who needs a savior and that you are the savior of the world. Thank you for coming for me, for dying in my place and being raised again from the dead. Today, I believe. Thank you for giving me life. 